already talked about, and I think I know the the answer. This obviously favorite Tom Petty album. If you can only pick one, uh, you're gonna be surprised. It's but it's out of that trilogy. Long After Dark is uh, is the one I'd pick, and the the reason nice. is I I like that darkness, and I think it has a lot to do. And I'm sure you've read about Tom's horrendous childhood with his father and the yep. beating. So it's got that dark tone to it, which I love. But in classic Petty, he brings that light a hope and that optimism to it as well and i think that has yeah. both of them in there and change your heart alone that that riff is oh. just unbelievable and i i so i love playing that one back to back and it's you know it, it's just my favorite and it was the it's that if you think about it too it's that first record where they really start stretching a little bit away from rock so you got lucky now you know Benmont hated the sins and wasn't yes, overly yes. pleased about playing them but still, you get this different sense. Okay, we can do that as well. Then that's that yeah. sort of adds this other string to our board. If we need it, yeah, we can go back to it, and we know we can do it now. And man, straight into darkness. I was going to say Ben Mod's piano on that oh, is just oh my like, god. Right. I mean, the, uh, again, talk, the, it's the cliche of somebody can say those words and you go, "I think I'm on that plane. I think I'm looking out the window. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. You've got it down perfectly." It's just visceral. Yeah, I mean, and okay, we'll go again. Talk about side one, one story town. Yes. Great album opener. You got lucky. That, that was the opener of the tour, the uh, yeah. One Story Town. Uh, you got lucky. Deliver me. Change of heart. Change of heart. It's another yes. another great riff. And then yes. finding out. I mean, so what's two two and five? Like so you, you got said lucky with Jimmy, out, yeah. pack, 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 pack. You're yeah. buying the album. <laughs> but then, but then, straight into darkness is on the yes. on side two, right? Yeah. Which yeah. and again, that's sometimes you know what the band hears or what the producer hears as a hit or yeah. one of the best cuts. It's not always the one that resonates with fans. Yeah. And even like We Stand a Chance, same old you. It's got that stonesy, yes. bluesy kind of swagger to it. You know, yeah. I, and just... I wish if I could put you in time to send you back to that tour. I saw it at the Cal Palace in San Francisco. Great venue name, by the way, the Cal Palace in yeah. San Francisco. And they blew the doors off the place because they had that. So you got to think about what the other songs were that they were playing. Yeah. Damn the torpedoes. And they could go back to breakdown. And it was just a just a set dream set list. Yeah. I'll have to go back and look at it. I'll go yeah. see what they play. Because I mean, that's the thing too. I like going back and looking at the yes. set list, and you just think, "Wow, yeah." And you know, then twenty songs or twenty-one songs, and you think there's at least twenty-one songs you could replace literally every yeah. one of those twenty-one with a different twenty-one, and it would still be strong. And the, the it would not be a disappointed audience. No, right. and that's from sort of that's from midpoint too. I think that's from. I mean, in Full Moon Fever, the, the eight albums to Full Moon Fever. Pick any 21 or not yeah. any 21, but you could pick yeah. two different 21 song set lists there that are just going to blow the doors off. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, question two Mud Crutch or Traveling Wilburys? Uh, I'm with the mainstream here. This one, the Wilburys. I was yeah. fortunate enough to see everybody live, but George Harrison solo. So, I've seen all the other performers. And uh, I'm sorry, just the songwriting and the, the lyrics and them outdoing each other and the. Yeah. You know, it's just the hits are just incredible. And it was a they just getting out of college. All my friends were getting married. That album was ubiquitous on the air. And there's just so many good tunes. And everybody keeps their own style, which I like in the album as well. There's no pandering to mainstream hits or because they're all so established. They're playing yeah. for each other. Um, you know, and them being giddy about having Roy Orbison in the band is hilarious. And <laughs> Dylan's quote about, hey, he used to be in the Beatles. I mean, you can't you can't oh, write funny. all that stuff if you're a PR person. It's just it's yeah. just too good as well. So that one for me is no gray area. Although, again, I saw Mud Crutch twice and I love that chemistry. And I know you've said it a few times, but that respect for Tom to bring his friends back and give him yeah. that tour when there's no need to do it. Right. That's not a money. The venues dropped in size. Um, and I, I could tell he was just having a blast. And I mentioned earlier, I was the most relaxed I saw him in, in, in a show in, in 43 years. So yeah. he was having a great time, which is always translates to us. 
Yeah, it's just that pressure off things. So yes, you, but you saw Roy, Roy live. Yes, how was that? That must have it been great. something else. He still else. had his pipes. He died probably maybe seven years later, I think, okay. after that. But he still sounded great, and he'd had his new album out that he was touring on as well. Um, so it was it was really a treat to see a legend like that. Not a long set because of his age, I think, and health, okay. but it was still it was still a great show. Did he do crying? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Man, I think I would die on the spot if I ever heard. You know, if he I did. heard Roy obviously sing that live. I mean, that vocal in that song. Yeah. And it was a, a very just... nice outdoor venue in, in San Diego. And it was a lovely evening and it was magic. It was, yeah. it really was. You knew that uh, you probably were not going to see this again. Yeah. I love too that everyone for the longest time thought that Roy Orbison was blind because he wore the shades. It was like, <laughs> yes. No, I just don't want anyone to see my eyes. That's good. <laughs> okay. So we've already established, Mark, that you're not a musician, but. We'll right. pretend you are or that you have the whatever chops you want. Yeah. Um, if you could join the Heartbreakers on stage for one song, which song would it be and what instrument would you play and or sing? Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm not, and I respect musicians and particularly the Heartbreakers too much. So my microphone is off in this imaginary scenario <laughs> and my instrument is unplugged. I may be, I, I am maybe giving myself a tambourine or a cowbell <laughs> and there's no sound around me. I'm going to have to focus on being a good hang with the band versus contributing anything as well. So I'm doing, mine is, I, I got the doctor's credo, do no harm, right? I'm not going right. to, damn it. but I'm on stage for listen, listen to her heart. That, that one is just, fantastic to me i've never i mean you always say about lyrics matching a song it's just one of those yeah. it's just perfectly written and perfectly executed and it's just fantastic and it resonates with everybody as a human being right that 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 learning that yearning for for love right so it's a yeah. fantastic song i like that you're taking the socratic approach to music that's, a, that's an interesting approach no one's done it yet it's novels unique <laughs> what did you I, think of, I can't take the musical one <laughs> what did you think of um i don't know if you listened to that so the the guy i don't know anderson from cyber attack who does that very yes. like, totally different what did you think of that i thought it was great it's creative yeah. and I, I love again it's one of those ones i think the the bones are so good good luck try to destroy it you can't and i, and I thought that was great so i loved yeah. it i think it was a unique approach that's awesome, yeah, because I love it too. And I love this whole album. Like, again, one of those things where, like Matt or like Jake, when you stumble across these artists and you think, well, this is more interesting than yes. 90% of why I'm here on the radio. Like, yes. And it's such thing was, I mean, just we just need to find a way to get these people up front and, and, yes. and in the conversation. But, uh, and know. the other part about it is, though, I love them being in small venues where you have access to them and you can have a beer and you can yeah. still see them and you're not paying 25 bucks for your beer and you're not sitting, they're not this big on stage. It's just fantastic, yeah. right? And they're both personable guys in this case with the folks we're talking about too. Absolutely. Well. Yeah. Um. So question four. Who would be your dream opening act at a Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers concert? You know, I kind of went through my list of who I've seen. I saw Regina Spector open, The Replacements. I saw Steve Earle. I saw Nick Lowe. Steve Earle open for Tom Petty? Yeah. Yeah, in San Diego, he opened for him. Yeah. Man, I would love to. I'm a huge Steve Earle fan, too. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and he did. Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a very, very good show. And you could tell it was like a musician's musician show uh, yeah. of them hanging out together as well. I, I think I saw, let's see, like I said, I mentioned the Georgia Satellites, the Smithereens, Pearl Jam, Steve Winwood, Joe Cocker, <laughs> Lenny Kravitz, Drive-By Truckers, uh, Black Crows, Jackson Brown. Um, uh, so an incredible array of people. But I always wanted to have uh, uh, have Stevie Ray Vaughan open for him uh, one time as well, which I think would have been a great double bill. The other one I'm on the bubble with is Warren Zevon, and I'm a big Warren Zevon fan because he has those wry, intelligent lyrics like yeah. uh, Tom did as well. So, But I'm going to stick to Stevie Ray Vaughan just to hear that great blues 
uh, guitar because I think he was such a unique sound. Did you ever see him live? No, I never saw oh, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Saw him, yeah, yeah, my... or, or Warren Zevon. That'd be the reason I, I picked them. But you well, did. But my best friend, no, I didn't. But my best friend Randy, who does all the music for the show, yes, yes, um, I he, yeah. he, that's that was his guy. Like Stevie Ray Vaughan was, and I saw. So the first time I ever saw um, uh, Pride and Joy. Yes. Was my friend was playing in his band. This, this, my friend was the keyboard player in his band. That's how I met him. And they played Pride and Joy. And when they came up, I was like, dude, is that one of Randy's songs? He's like, no, dude, that's Stevie Ray Vaughan. And I'm like, who? <laughs> Who's that? So I, so again, I get exposed to this artist. I'm like, wow. Cause you're right. I talk about, you know, I'm a big Van Halen fan. I'm a big Queen fan. Those three guitarists to me, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Brian May, Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. Their tone is just so specific and so unique. Yes. Two notes, no two one sounds right? like that. Yeah. Even amateurs know, right? Yeah, I can tell 100%. it a couple of things as well. So it's absolutely incredible. So no, I love uh I love the Stevie Ray Vaughan. So I'm a three-piece band too. They just yeah. killed it. Oh, right? Double trouble, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and his brother's yeah. not a slouch either, right? No, so. <laughs> no. Very true. It's very true. Okay, so speaking of personable guys, who's yes. your favorite band member other than Tom Petty? Yeah, um, it's this one's a very very tough for me again. Uh, favorite child, but uh, it, it's Mike. Mike's just uh, you know, my my favorite as well. We talked about how much I love Benmont for his contributions, and the more you listen to these, the more you appreciate Benmont. But you know, I I lost a brother to substance abuse, so I got a little spot for Howie yeah, uh, as well. His vocals with um, you know his vocals with Tom were magic um, as well. And then you know to see his demise because obviously I mentioned how long I was going to shows. You could see the. Him slowly going downhill, not yeah. making the uh, album cover shot for Echo. Um, I drove up from San Diego to see them get their star in uh, Los Angeles as well. And that was a sad time for him as well. So, but yeah. uh, more, more positive, Mike and his contributions are unbelievable. And again, still seeing the knobs. It's so happy that he did not hang up the cleats and he stayed out yeah. there and continues to rock. So it was great. Well, that's that thing where, again, I've talked, and you probably heard me talk about this with lots of guests with Hypnotic Eye being the, the, an album of an artist on the upswing still not there, there's yes. no decay here but mike campbell you cannot turn that tap off it just no. seems like that it just pours out of him yes i'm prolific Absolutely. you think about wouldn't you love to hear talking about things we'd love to hear from the archives wouldn't you just love to hear those tapes that yes. he gave to tom just to hear what they threw away right you know what what they what they left out because there's going to be tons of that stuff you'd think that well, that's that's on someone's greatest hits album. That's so good. <laughs> exactly right. I, I I love that that the trivia question about who's the only band to have a number one hit from a greatest hits album. It's Mary Jane's Last Dance that went on to be number one, and like that's an add-on, yeah. right? I'm sure the record company loved that. You know how many we're going to sell of these so people can get Mary Jane's Last yep. Dance as well. So yeah, that's I still I still think it's the only song I've ever seen written specifically for a greatest hits album that actually belongs on that artist's greatest yeah, hits album right. that is a greatest hit, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point as well. And that one was always on the set list and it was, it killed, the crowd went crazy when he started oh. those first few notes, right? It's such an original riff. Yeah, and we sure. go back to Mike though, I mean, think about other songs, he wrote hits for other people as well. That's how good he is, right? He could give away stuff to to Don and to, you know, Stevie and to these other people <laughs> as well. And Maria McKee and Lone Just and Lone, was it Lone Justice? Yes, that band as well. Well, him and Benmont, I mean, they played with, like you said, I mean, being a good hang and, and being a good musician and being a professional yeah. gets you a lot of gigs and people, you know, if, if he's underrated in the mainstream or by sort of, you know, um, the lay person, there's no one in the in the serious music industry who doesn't rate Benmont's yeah. attention, wouldn't have him on their record in a heartbeat. It, it, it reminds me of the uh, that the documentary, The Wrecking Crew, when you see those people that are on every good album made from the yeah. 70s as well. And Benmont is in on a ton of other people's where he's just almost like a yeah. studio guy. And I'm sure it's because he's in Los Angeles, but everybody wants him on the album, right? 
Yeah, and it, that's that thing of, you know, you, well, you know, Stan Lynch was replaceable because Steve Ferroni is a phenomenal drummer and brought yes. a different thing to the Heartbreakers. Yeah. Ron left, how he comes in, Ron comes back. You get yeah. Scott Thurston in. If you take either Mike or Benmont out of the Heartbreakers, yeah. it's it's done, it's game over. Yeah. It's not going to be yeah. the same thing, right? Yeah, you know? no, absolutely true, absolutely. Okay, so you've been to a million gigs, but if there's yeah. one Tom Petty concert from history that you weren't at, which one would it be? Uh, it would probably be the Wiltern shows that I did not see. I would go to those because, again, I saw Fonda, I saw Fillmore, I saw a lot of great small venues with him over time. But, but and that one's also a very tough question because, like, I'd love to be at the Old Grey Whistle Stop. I'd love to be, you know, at the um, at any of the the whiskey would be on the list too. So yeah. that's like a top three. But I'll I'll pick the Wiltern because I think that that time period they were really on fire. And I think that's what Michael Washburn picked because he was talking about it would have been really interesting to see what the temperature of the room was like when Tom sort of said, hey, that's enough with the battle flags now, just to yeah. see right. just to see what the crowd did. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. Just dynamically, that would have been very interesting on the yeah. on the people it, watching side. You know? it, it would have been, because again, there's always a crowd has a certain energy level no matter what's going on. Yeah. Uh, and if you could take that temperature, I agree with you, it'd be fascinating. Well, I, I think that's a really cool venue. Is this all, is the Wilton still there? Is that still kicking? Yeah. Yeah. They still have a lot of tribute shows there in Los Angeles. It's like a musician's place to go for okay. you know, for David Crosby and other people that they have things to honor them. They always go to the Wiltern. Cool. Okay. Wall Circus or Walls number three, which is your favorite? I'm with you and Matt on three. I love those vocals <laughs> and um, it just got more, more to it and I enjoy it a lot more. I, I don't think that's a gray area for me. I'm definitely a, yeah. a three guy as well. And I don't think they ever played the circus arrangement live, did they? I'm pretty sure when they played it live, it was always sort of either, you know, stripped back, really stripped back acoustic, yeah. or it was the very simple, you know, three version. Yeah. I don't think they ever did that swung, slowed no, down. I, not that thing. I know of, and I know I don't think it's on the Fillmore album, so I, I don't think they did that. No, not very often as well. And again, that's a weird time because it was a movie soundtrack, and there's a, a Lucinda Williams tune on that. That one as well, Change the yeah. Locks, which is a great song as well and, and perfect for the, for the movie. So it was an interesting time period as well. I think that one was like a slow burn on uh, on tom petty fans and i was thinking like after i because i did my you know i'd answered these questions on my 100th episode i was thinking oh man yeah. i should have totally said wall circus covered by Soundgarden. that <laughs> yeah, would have been that, wicked cool that would have been good that would have been very good <laughs> um okay so on to that question then if you can pick any artist to cover any tom petty song which artist and which song would you go with um i'd love to hear jack white do i should have known oh wow for that riff <laughs> yeah because he'd take I, that all the way back to its roots right yeah exactly right and yeah. he's always good about the strip down and you know seven nation army so i also had another one too i don't know if he's on your radar or not but another great artist uh doing kind of americana music is jason isbell oh yeah yeah you know jason yeah i'd love to hear him do louisiana rain i think would be a yeah. great cover as well but I'm, I'm going with jack white just to hear that power chord of just demolishing <laughs> that song because it was always again how is that not, how did Zeppelin not write that riff back in 72? <laughs> I know. How, how did that come about? Why is it not taken? <laughs> same thing with You Wreck Me. Yes. Some of these riffs you think, well, that's the same general with music. You think yes. there's only so many chords. Right. There's only so many ways of playing, especially in a blues rock or a rock and roll paradigm yeah. where you're playing on the one and the three. Like there's only so many ways you can do it. And yet these right. people still keep coming up with different ways to write interesting parts. I think a lot of it, and I think that's another thing with Mike is that I love that he's a, he's a professor of tone. Yes. Like he always managed to find exactly the right tone as well as the right part, which is, yeah. again, it's that's not a thing that everyone has. Keith Richards doesn't have it. 
Keith no. Richards plays what he plays and he plays the same damn thing night and yes. night, which is it's a key thing and you know. Right. But we love it. It's great. You're right. No, that's very, very true. Yeah. So that, that riff is just amazing to me. And I uh seeing that one and I, I think it was the Mojo tour just blew the doors off the roof. It was yeah. great. Well, that was pretty ever present once yeah. they once after that, right? They kind yeah. of play because it's again, after I mean it was, yeah. Yeah, and it's just, it's just a crowd pleaser. Because of course yeah. you're gonna get it, especially when they go double time and then you can dance. So yes, yes, exactly right. And Tom did a lot of good stuff with it on stage where he just grabbed a tambourine, he didn't play his guitar, Mike did yeah. all the Heavy lifting when Thurston did the, you know, the backup. And so it was great. It was always great. Isabel doing Louisiana Rain, though. That would be a good one, too. I mean, he's done, he's definitely done Petty covers. Yeah, when, when Petty so. died, he had a, an audience at the Ryman for like seven nights. And every night he picked a different Tom Petty song to do yeah. during the seven nights. But that wasn't, that wasn't on the list. Just didn't happen to be. But he did a lot of, you know, Refugee, yeah. Listen to Her Heart, that kind of stuff. And he's got the same kind of authentic dna that tom like he plays yeah. for people and he doesn't the, the, the bullshit nashville thing he right. pushes back against and like, so yes. you've that authenticity yeah respect the hell out of the guy same yeah, as he's you know, a great lyricist too as well great great songwriter uh, so I, I saw uh petty and I, I was a fan club from probably 1979 kathy buffington used to run the old one and i think we paid yeah. five bucks a year to be on the mailing list or something ridiculous <laughs> we'd get stickers and it was uh and i think in the in the um fillmore thing they included one of the copies of the old old thing for the new folks to look at of what they yep. this were getting it by mail right they'd mail it to you yeah uh, physical mail in those days and uh anyway so i was at a show in uh, nashville and i had from the fan club that was why i brought that part up i was always getting very very good seats and i don't know if they could tell how long i'd been tenured in the in the petty family but they took <laughs> care of me so i was in third fourth row or something so i was in nashville seeing wow. uh seeing a petty show and isabel and his band were inside the riser on the side like six or seven of them all there watching wow. the show in yeah. awe. You could tell they were just like, yeah. this is this guy's the real deal as well. So that's my Jason Isbell story. That's awesome. And yeah. I mean, and Tom, I can they share those a lot of those musical roots because there is country in the Heartbreakers. Yeah. Of course, was yeah. Carl Perkins was was yes. rock and roll, but he was as much rock and roll's country. All those old acts that they used to listen to, this yes. it all comes from the same place, right? Yes, that's so. very, very true. And that was uh, I think he carried that with him through the end and was always respectful of that. And yeah, they backed up Johnny Cash. Yeah. Uh, on his album as well. So there's tons of country roots there. And again, he's a Florida guy, right? Yeah. Not taking that out of him. You take the boy to Florida. Um, okay. Yeah. What song do you most frequently recommend to people who don't know Tom's music? After you've slapped um, them, obviously, after you've slapped them for not knowing Tom's music, that's... <laughs> <laughs> You're right, exactly right. Um, you know, uh, Mike Campbell recommended this one, so who am I to argue with uh, Mike Campbell? Actually, I'm a little bit different. Mike said American Girl is what they should listen to to get yeah. all of them. I'm more of a uh, listen to her heart kind of guy. And I think once you get that, you're going to understand the lyrics, the rock and roll, the vibe yeah. and the band's tightness and how great the lyrics are. I think that's a comprehensive, great Tom Petty song that doesn't get old and everybody can relate to within a few notes. I was talking to someone about the perfect pop song. What's the most perfect pop song? And to me, it's always been Waterloo Sunset by the Kings because I'm mm -hmm. a huge Kings fan. Yeah. But I think both Free Falling and Listen to Her Heart are 100% in that conversation. Yes. There's those like, you know, as a as a musician or as a listener, what would you change? Yeah, perfect length. Yeah. The lyrics are perfect. It's hummable. It's catchy. It yeah. sticks with you. They're yeah. just these perfect pop songs. And it, second album, 
So they right. do American Girl on the first album, let's do out on the second album. That's insane to me. Yeah. And again, I think the other part that resonates with people is that universal theme of what those things are about. I, I might throw even uh, Learning to Fly in there. I'd be very comfortable playing for that. Somebody the first time going like, I get yep. that. We're all at that point in our life. We've all had love and loss and all those kind of things and taking off. And I, again, one of Tom's great talents is, is taking you from birth to death and everything in between as well in yeah. all of his albums. Well, as I said on the Learning to Fly episode, what's it, what's remarkable about that song is it's three chords, literally three chords, <laughs> all the way through. There's no bridge. There's no movement in that song. And yet it's he still manages to make it this masterpiece. You, you can see a producer going like, that's a throwaway. There's nothing there. There's no <laughs> exactly. there there. Trust me, I know the business, kid. <laughs> First track. Let's put yeah. let's, let's lead the album with this one. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. No, it's great. Because Jeff Lynn knows. Jeff Lynn has got a yeah. good set of ears. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so last question in my 10 questions. Uh, describe Tom Petty in three words. Let's see. What did I have down? I think I did. Um, I put uh, integrity, passion, and love. IPL. Yeah. And, you know, last one's probably me more talking about myself and my love for his music than it is him. Well, that's okay, though, because I think that people don't people don't orient it that way. Yeah. Because I think you could do it from a, well, let's talk about Tom. Yeah. Or you can do it from the context or the perspective of, well, what does Tom mean to me? Yeah. Yeah. And so love, yeah. I mean, and but again, I mean, that's that thing that oozes out of him and the heartbreakers is, it, it is love. It is empathy. It is connection. It is universalism yeah. as opposed to, you know, it's not, as Matt said, he's not didactic. He's yeah. not polarizing. He's, he's a unifier, not a divider, which. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, he read that piece in LA song that he wrote after the riots, yeah. which was very quickly came out. And then you made me just remind me, I'm going to crowbar in my uh, story from 1989. Um, so in uh, 89, um, obviously, uh, uh, Tom did not have a tremendous amount of albums out there, but that was the time period where he was... Um, I'm, I'm trying to think what, what came out around that time period. But regardless, he was on the cover of Rolling Stone. And it wasn't the issue where he rips the dollar bill. That was before. There's yeah. just a picture of him on Rolling Stone as a cover because he's he's doing massively well. So I wrote a letter into the editor of Rolling Stone and was lucky enough to get it published. And uh, so I took it and had it blown up and just randomly thought, I'm just going to mail it into his studio in L.A. So I mailed it to Los Angeles. And then Tom signed it and sent it back to me. So it's like my most coveted treasure yeah of my letter of the 10, you know, the eight reasons I love Tom Petty. And he wrote to Mark with many thanks, Tom Petty. Yeah. So it's my prized possession. And again, that's that thing that had he not done that, right. you, would, you wouldn't have thought any less of him. No, absolutely not. I would have thought he never saw it. Yeah. So it's yeah. just that thing that I think that it's one thing I always wanted to ask Dana, if I ever get to speak to Dana, yeah. is I, I wonder if he, I wonder if he really realized how much he meant to, so many people outside yeah. of the music, like that connection to this person who you sort of have this idea. Well, Matt's thing about, you know, of being this kind of role model that you, you sort of want to live your life by the sort of right. tenets that he set out. I yeah. wonder, I don't know if he knew that. I wonder if he knew that, you know? Yeah. And I think it's a good point that Matt brings up too. It was a, uh, I'm just going to live my life this way, not tell you what to do. Yeah. I'm not dictating to you. You can just watch and see what the right thing to do is. Yeah. Right. And that makes us all better people. 